Bradley Cooper. Bruh, are you kidding? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. He's already like getting excited. Like, ah, 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 equipment. <laughs> There's wires everywhere. Expensive things. Do you like being a dad? I love it. <laughs> Christiana. You gotta suck at your job. <laughs> Christiana has a nurse. doesn't say a word. She just comes in, grabs and walks out. On that note, welcome to the show. This is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread. Um, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Obama. Uh, good morning. We'll do that like a morning show. Yeah. Well, good morning. Anyways. Okay. What's up, guys? This is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread. Once again, I am your host, Dalton Locke, with Whitney Williamson. Hey. <laughs> and David Overstreet. Hello. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> that's my that's my morning show. Your, your morning show interest. Yeah. I mean you could you could rock it. Yeah. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah. Sound like Obama. I do. You do. Hmm. Anyways. Um guys, what's been up? It's been a minute since we've recorded. Oh yeah. What have you guys been up yeah. to? Whitney, get off your phone. Gosh. Gosh. Don't have calls to answer, you Be know? present. Disrespectful. Be present. Listen. Present. God, didn't, God didn't place you in the future. He didn't place you in the past. He placed you in the present. Mm. Yes, master. <laughs> mm. Anyway. <laughs> I went there and I bought property. Oh. Listen, the only master is See? my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that, that It's, Wow. That's crazy. Your response sounded like a Whitney. It did. Response. It did. That's and what I was going for. Your insult sounded like a Dalton insult. What's going on? You become who you hang have, around. Have we mm. switched in the time that we've recorded last? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Doppelganger day. Whitney's provoking me now. Yeah. He deserved it. And as you guys can hear from the beginning, I have a dog now. Yeah. Cooper. His name is Cooper. and he's Not a, Pooper. Not Pooper. Not Nugget. Or dude. Not brownie. He I is a chocolate-covered nugget. He's not a nugget. Oh, he's a nugget. He's, he's a cute a nugget. little nugget. <laughs> no. London calls him a fudge nugget. Ew. My that sounds like a different word. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what she says all the time whenever like something does go, doesn't go her way. She's like, fudge nuggets. Yeah. And it makes no sense, but now it makes sense. My sister calls him, my little brownie bear. And I'm like, no. He's all not the a brownie bear. different abominations that we call this dog. Yeah. His name is Cooper. He is a chocolate lab. Hence uh, all the fudge and all the fudge, chocolate yeah. references. People are like, what? Where is that coming from? Yeah, yeah. It's, he's a chocolate lab. He's growing every single day. Right now, he still has a very small puppy body, but he has long legs. Yeah. And so it's hilarious. Yeah. He's Look got that. a skinny face. He's a tall yeah. glass of water. <laughs> tall glass of chocolate milk. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So that was that, and it's been uh, it's been interesting. Yeah, never so that's that's why you haven't had a whole lot of time to like yeah work on edits and stuff. Yeah, it, it's been plus you've been in school. Yeah, summer classes. So I'm I'm finishing up summer classes right now. Um, I just finished up a sociology class that just completely took it out of me. I had like yeah. a ten page paper that required like hours of research to do. Yeah. Um, and also I'm doing a marketing class at the same time, which is till mm-hmm. August, and there's tons of stuff to do on that and reading and. All the good stuff, um, but starting to slow down now. So, um, yeah, happy to be back. Yeah, man, it's good to be back. Yeah, I uh, so 
I needed to take some of uh, the my own medication that I was. Wait, what's the uh, what's the word I'm trying to use there? Medicine. Take a dose of your own. Have a medicine? taste of your own medicine yeah. or something. Anyways, I needed to do that because in the last episode that we recorded, we actually recorded before we all got off track. Um, but in that last episode that we recorded, I was saying, "Take heed lest ye fall," and mm-hmm. all this different stuff. And I did not take heed lest I fall. Mm. I uh, I got distracted with the girlfriend and um, mm. let that take up a lot of my time, and so I wasn't really you know, holding everybody else accountable, nor was I even, like, studying or trying to pick up topics uh, for the next episodes and stuff. And so, women, men. Yeah, women. And men, if you're if you're a lady out there. Yes, yeah, I mean, by like, I know, I'm good over here. <clears throat> it's just them. <laughs> Whitney's perfect, everyone. <laughs> I am not perfect. Well, I mean, you had somebody try and pop up. I did, and I knew, and yeah, I'm not... you handled it really well. I'm not saying that I hit the mark... Because I definitely have missed it enough times that I know I know when I'm not really aiming for it. So instead of leaving myself with the opportunity to want to entertain that, I called accountability partners and I was like, hey, guys, I don't think this is a good opportunity for me to be alone. I feel inclined to have such and such of an action and reach out to a certain person. I really need your quality time mm-hmm. and your reassurance. And they were more than helpful. They were like, Wit, come hang out with us. We're here for you. And it really helped me stay accountable and stay in, stay in position, if you will. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. Go wit. That's growth. Go wit. So our last episode, growth. Yeah. That's growth. That's nice. And I uh, I mean, I feel like I've grown. And I like <laughs> since. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed at that. That's not funny. I feel like you've grown too. <laughs> I feel like I've grown since the last episode. It just took a minute for me to be like, get back on track. Yeah. Yeah, but we're back so. now. That's the important thing. Yes, that is the important thing. We are recording the second second episode of the second season. Yeah. Of free wine and unleavened bread. Yeah. Welcome all. Welcome all. I hope you guys can forgive us for getting off track, but we are back on it, and we are ready to talk about this topic for the week, which is Is God mad at you? And so, guys, I just want to ask y'all: Have y'all ever felt like God is mad at you? Hmm. I have definitely felt like He's been disappointed in me. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't necessarily just say right out angry, but I've I've definitely felt separation from God, and I felt disappointed, like him being disappointed in me before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same here. Um, there was a phase in my life in my teens, especially when I was struggling with a lot of pornography and sexual sin, and there was a lot of that shame mm-hmm. involved in that, and um, I was constantly thinking God was angry at me. Yeah. During that time. Yeah. I, uh, growing up, I had the, the same issue. Um, I would give into pornography a lot and I would feel like God was just so mad at me afterwards and I just wouldn't know what to do with that. Um, and then that, I mean, uh, that was all before I gave my life to Christ. And after that, there were times even in my sanctification where I failed and I wondered, uh, God, why do you feel so far away right now? Are you mad at me? Um, and so it, it uh, it's definitely a struggle, and I, I feel like that's a struggle that everybody feels um, at some point as to whether God is mad at them or not, and they don't really know how to handle that. One, I think it's good that you're worried that God is mad at you um, because that, that shows that you your heart is in the right place, right? that your heart wants to be close to God. That wants to wants to please God, 
Um, I think it's important to note, though, that since Christ is in us, that God is already pleased with us. Right. You know, if we're all in agreement that everybody's pretty much felt that way at some point in their lives, how do we deal with that? How, um, like, is, do we turn to the Word, or do we go in prayer, or should we just say to ourselves, ah, God's not mad? Dealing with, in the past, I, I dealt with it, like, going to ask God for forgiveness, mm-hmm. and I felt at that time, like, every time that I asked Him for forgiveness, forgiveness it had to be super intense and each time had to be more intense than than the last because i just asked for forgiveness but i think it just starts with going to him in a a humble way you mentioned the shame uh, that you feel afterwards do you think that's from god or is that from satan the enemy it's from satan 100 percent because god isn't going to condemn you He's going to convict you. You know, when, we, when we're in the midst of temptation, he provides a way of escape. And so when we don't take that way of escape, he's going to sit there. Is he going to sit there and berate us for not taking it? Or is he going to say, this is what you could have done. Do it next time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. This, is, this has been my temptation growing up um, after sinning. Uh, you just mentioned that it was that this is something that you would do, um, but let me say this. Okay, so you have accepted Christ into your life, mm-hmm. and so you have said that Jesus uh, died and rose to save me from my sins. Yeah. So when Jesus w- was on the cross, all of God's wrath was put on to Jesus. Um, we are not recipients of that wrath because we have put our hope in Jesus. So what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, especially plain to us that when Jesus died on the cross that our past, future, and present sins were forgiven. Mm -hmm. And so do you think you really should reach out to God and ask him to forgive you if your sins are already forgiven? Well, that's part of repentance. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you... You never miss the mark, but it means that you know who to run to when you do. Right. And so, like, a lot of people want to say that Jesus taught love and acceptance. And Mm -hmm. Jesus does love and accept you, but he doesn't necessarily accept choices that you make that are going to harm you. Right. Love the person, don't love the sin. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, that's part of repentance, bringing it before God and saying, I acknowledge and take responsibility at the fact that I missed it. And and I feel displeased with myself. Mm -hmm. So, rather than coming to beg God for his forgiveness in the sense that David's is saying, like, I feel like the each time it has to be more intense of me asking God to forgive me. Should we rather come to God with a thankful heart, knowing that we've been forgiven, mm. thanking him that he has forgiven us, repenting, which literally means to turn away yeah. from our sinful action, um, and then walking in the confidence that we have in Christ. Yeah, that would be the exactly what you said. That mm. would be the approach to it. But I think that's a point that as you come to know God, that you grow to that point. I feel like mm-hmm. especially starting out dealing with shame, dealing with anger and things of that nature, you never yeah. really start at that point. But as you develop in your relationship with God, you come to that point when you can approach the throne with boldness and thankfulness and be like, Lord, I thank you that you've already forgiven me, mm-hmm. that you cast my sins as far as the east is from the west, yeah. and that there's nothing between me and you because I'm bringing it before you. Yeah. I think it's important to mention 
we can't ignore the environmental aspect of this. Like, growing up, whatever, whatever denomination you grew up in, I feel like what I was around more was more of a environment that catered to the mindset of God as a disciplinary God, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. a God of love. And so, you know, going day-to-day with that mindset, I was more prone to feel that shame and guilt. Yeah. And I feel like now in college, I'm, I'm just kind of starting to figure out that God is love as well as that disciplinary God. So See, I feel like it's important to know both sides of right. the equation. There's a verse that talks about God disciplines those that he loves. And so I think there's also a negative aspect whenever you look at the word discipline. And the right discipline causes you to grow. Um, Just like if you go work out and you're disciplined in that, you're going to see the results and the fruit from it. And Mm. there's scripture that talks about, I'll have to look up the address for you guys, but Mm. it's like he disciplines those that he loves. Yeah. And so that should be an encouragement whenever you feel corrected or you feel pushed in that way. To know that that is coming from a place of he loves you and he knows what he put in you. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first letter of John, chapter 1, uh, verse 5 through 10. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Uh, and then if you go down to chapter 2, it says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So when we have sinned, Jesus is speaking on our behalf to the Father. When the Father sees our sin, he actually sees Christ forgiving us our sins and speaking on our behalf to him. Okay. Um, We also have the Spirit to comfort us. The Spirit is a comforter. So we can rest assured that... We shouldn't feel ashamed yeah. when we've sinned. We shouldn't feel condemned. Mm-hmm. So we know that that is from the devil. That is from the enemy. And so I think this gives, this reveals a little bit about God's character too as the father. Yeah. He may be angry with us, but one, that anger has been put on Christ. Two, that anger is like a father's anger that doesn't want to see his child Stray. fall away from stray um doesn't want to see his child end up in harm's way so we're talking about kind of god's discipline let me ask you guys this when god punishes you let's say that you do something you, you do a sin and then he punishes you in this life uh with kind of a consequence to your sin do you think that god wants to do that as a disciplinary god he wants to punish you to to show you where you've wronged in a loving type of way or do you think god's like no i don't want to do this but i still have to like i 
I don't know. That's that's. Where do you where do you? Th- I mean, just theoretically. Where theoretically. Do you th- where do you think God's mind is? So when you're going through punishment, that he, let's say, like if you're Job, right, and you're. That's the thing. Job wasn't being punished. Right. Um, the bad so, things were happening. Yeah. That so wasn't punishment. Yeah. Um, I I can't think of the verse, um, of the address, um, but the Pharisees bring a a man with leprosy or a, a, or he was blind. He was blind from birth um, to Jesus, and they ask him what was the cause of his blindness. Was it his father's sin or his mother's sin? And Jesus says neither. Sin was not the cause of his blindness. It was more so that God would be glorified in this moment where Jesus heals his blindness. So we can't look at every bad thing that happens in our lives as sort of discipline or punishment for sin in our lives. Suffering is not necessarily an indication that sin is present, but sin is definitely a cause of suffering. And so I think we have to be mindful that if we have sinned, then there are going to be consequences. But we shouldn't look at every bad thing that happens in our lives and think, oh no, what have I done that God hasn't forgiven me for? Mm -hmm. Um, In Ezekiel 33, verse 11, it says, uh, God is speaking to Ezekiel. He's telling them what he's telling him what to say. And he says, say to them, uh, as I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they turn back and live. So I don't think he takes pleasure in punishing us. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say like pleasure, but does he do it out of that righteous anger or does he do it out of discipline? Just because he wants to, you know what I mean? Like, you know how sometimes when we get angry, we make kind of impulsive decisions. Mm -hmm. And I'm not attributing that to God, but I'm saying, like, do you think he works the same way to where he sees maybe the hardening of our hearts and then gets that righteous anger and then disciplines us as a result of that righteous anger? So I don't think he does does in that sense um, because our anger is different from God's. Mm -hmm. So God's anger seeks righteousness and seeks justice. Okay. Um, Whereas our anger, it's emotionally led and it's usually for our own benefit. I think that our anger seeks more punishment. Yeah. I think his righteous anger seeks more deliverance. And I think Mm -hmm. our anger seeks more punishment. Yeah. And also looking at it from the aspect of the character of God. So if God is love, the first thing listed after love is patience. Right. And I think that he is very patient with us. I don't think that it's immediately like a judgment of the righteous anger. And then we immediately reap him being harsh towards us in that way, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's more so we're reaping what we've sown in our own life. And so when you sow sin in your life, you're going to have that, the fruit of that sin in your life. And that's more of your own punishment. Like he'll let you choose that way. You have a free will. So if you choose those things, you reap what you've partaken in you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so i don't think it's necessarily his righteous judgment that's punishing us i think it's our own sin has tried to overtake us and enslave us yeah so do you guys see any parallels to like god's decision for the flood and anger in any way no i don't think that was god's anger i think it was more he was grieved right uh so i don't think it was punishment or anything like that Mm -hmm. um 
for me, it just feels so simple. Like, just read these verses and know them as truth. Yeah. Um, but see, that's the thing is, like, whenever whenever you become intimate with the word and not just reading it to check it off your list, but you become a student of the word and you're passionate about it. Like it says, God in the beginning was the word and the word was God and God was the word. You know what I mean? And like when you know the Bible as the standard, you don't see God as angry or mad at you. You see that he loves you and he's so patient with you and he, he has good things for you. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know God's character, you will put that mark on him that everybody else has given him that didn't want to be disciplined enough to try to have a relationship with him. Yeah. Because that opts them out of taking responsibility for their actions and actually doing their partner relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They always want to be like, man, well, God's just like this, like da da da. But that's not even their own opinion. That is a facet of what everybody else has put around them because they they don't want to put in effort right when someone doesn't want to put in effort in an actual relationship like a human one well our relationship with god is an actual relationship but like boy girl man woman whatever the person that blames the other one is usually the one that did not want to put in the effort that look for a loophole to make the other person seem like the bad guy so they didn't Mm -hmm. have to take responsibility and try their best yeah that's not always always the case but a lot of times the person that was lazy about the relationship is the one that complains about it the most. Yeah. That uh, that kind of reminds me of um, a popular question that the world likes to pose. Um, there was actually a, a Christian artist who recently just renounced his faith because, like, there were certain questions that, you know, the world presented and he couldn't find answers to. Um one of them was being that why does God seem so mad in the Old Testament and then so loving in the New Testament? Um, and while I was doing uh, some studying for this episode, I um, I kind of came up came to this conclusion that the reason it's so different is because God's wrath is on Christ, as opposed to back then. It's on all of us. It was on all of us. Um, and so God is still angry with the world. He's still angry with all the sin that goes on, all the child pornography, all the pervasion, all the sexual immorality, all of it. Um, he's angry with it. He's still grieved by it. Um, but one the wrath that would be on those who believe on believe in him is on Christ. Um, two th- two thousand twenty years ago on the cross, and then the rest of the world it's being what does it say in uh, John three thirty six? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on them. Um. And then there's another part, there's another somewhere uh, that says that um, those who believe are not destined uh, for his wrath, but the world is. Um, So I think the wrath of the world, like, they're seeing a bit of it, like, here and there, but it's really going to come when judgment comes. Yeah. And that is the difference, I mean. The fact that Jesus came, I mean, that's, yeah, the, See, the wrath is on him now, you're right. 
And this is a verse that's extremely, extremely popular that even people that, you know, really don't know Jesus had probably for sure heard. But the, was it John three sixteen for God so loved the world that mm-hmm. he gave his only begotten son. Yeah. You know, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but they will have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And so, man, God loves people. He loves he doesn't love the sin that goes on in the world, but he's compassionate for his people. Mm-hmm. And he's not willing that any should perish. Like, there's all kinds of songs and scriptures, you know, that talk about him caring about the one, like leaving the 99 for the one. And the two greatest commandments is love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. But love your neighbor as you love mm-hmm. yourself. And I actually made some new friends. Um, I met them at like you know probably like a month or two ago but like we really got the opportunity and privilege to hang out yesterday and I asked one of them what their favorite scripture was and he he said something so powerful and it just really stuck with me because I really see his heart in that and he said the least of these and talking about what you do to the least of those you do to Jesus and Jesus cares about the least of these and so even if you miss the mark or even if you feel shame or even if you felt like God was angry with you he cares about the least of these and Satan brings condemnation and shame and anger. And, of course, he would want you to think God's mad at you. Why would God want you to think he's mad at you? That's not going to bring you to him. That logically makes no sense. Satan wants you to think God's mad at you. You know, like, it says that the love of God brings men to repentance. And repentance is change. Shame will send you right back to that thing that has you entangled because you don't want to deal with having to change. So I don't think it's as much of actually God being angry with us as Satan convincing us that he is. Hmm. So if we could kind of talk directly to the listeners here um, and just kind of give them some insight on how they can go about fighting that off from the enemy. Um, the best thing you can do, best two things you can do is one, pray. Um, when you pray, you are not just talking to God, but God is, it's a, it's a two way conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, praying is how you fight spiritual warfare. The, there's a, there's a verse where God says, um, you don't have what you ask for because you haven't asked. Or because um, I haven't given these things to you because you haven't asked for them. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's talking about um, uh, it, the, the context there is motive, the heart motive and stuff. Um, but that's, that's how m- important it is to pray. Because God has what he has for you, but you may not be getting it because you're not praying for it. Yeah. Whether it's strength, patience. Um, a job, what what have you? Uh, the second thing is to fight that condemnation with scripture. Yeah. There, uh, when I was doing some research on this, there were a, a hundred scriptures, a hundred verses that talked about how we are free from God's wrath. Yeah. If we are in Christ, um. And Christ, that's what he did when he was fighting off temptation for 40 days in the desert. Is he, every time the devil tempted him in a certain way, Christ fought it off with scripture. 
um, spoke it aloud. And so my advice would be anytime you feel condemned, find one of those verses. Um, Romans, it talks about God's wrath all the time and how we are saved from God's wrath with, uh, with Christ. So go to Romans. I mean, you'll find a verse. <laughs> also, obedience. Mm-hmm. You need to pray and obey. The times that wrath, like even like Old Testament actual wrath fell on people is the disobedience. And you're like, oh, well, that doesn't make me feel like I have much of a, a free choice. It's not, like I said, that he is trying to control you, but he sees what's on the other side of that thing that you're choosing instead, and he's looking out for he's you. He's a father trying to protect you. Yes, right. absolutely. But, like, pray and obey. It says don't be hearers of the word only. Be a doer of the word. Mm-hmm. It does me no good if I have knowledge about things and I don't have application. Yeah. And so obeying the voice of God because he does see what's on the other side, that's super important. If you are dealing with feeling this shame or this anger read your bible but do what it says Mm -hmm. like that should be the standard in your life it's not it's not an optional thing at least not for me like it's not an option do i miss it yes do i know where to run yes but i can pray and get direction for god from god but if i don't obey it it's not going to produce fruit in my life yeah so i would say pray but obey like have that humility have that submitting attitude be like if it's a hard conversation, be like, okay, I'll do better and do it. Yeah. I think if I could just kind of share a little tidbit here. Um, when I was growing up, me and my dad didn't get along very well. Um, he was definitely the authoritarian, disciplinarian. Um, I would definitely not go to him to ask him for things or to do things. And there was a period of my life from when I was very young up until I was about 18 or 19 when I just like I couldn't I couldn't be around him. And it was because I had this image of him just being the disciplinarian, saying no, being angry at me. But then I had this moment where I just kind of sat down and I looked at my life and I was like, you know what, my dad knew what he was doing. My dad knew what he was doing when he was disciplining me. He knew what he was getting me ready for. He was getting me ready for my dating life. He was getting me ready for those hard decisions that I was going to have to make in my social circles about buying a car, about getting a house and it was because I didn't really have a relationship with my dad until I was 20 years old I didn't know all of my dad I only knew the angry part and I think we we just need to have a full relationship with God know every aspect of his character not just when we feel like he's angry at us because we may not understand what it is that's going on in our lives until we get further on down the road and when we have that shame that's from the enemy 100% from the enemy it's because we don't have a full picture of God 
mm-hmm. we don't have the full picture of God. And that's just something that really stood out to me because, I mean, obviously my relationship with my earthly father is not my relationship with my heavenly father. But there are so many parallels to draw between, like, the discipline that God shows that's so good for you, but you may not understand it because you don't understand the love that's behind it. Yeah. And that is so powerful when you put those two things together. And you see that, quote-unquote, wrath of God has a love motive that is, is meant to advance your spiritual life and not to make you revert back into shame and guilt. That's really good. Um, so Deuteronomy chapter 7, um, God is commanding Israel to go in and uh, defeat these seven nations that are more numerous and mightier than them. Um, And God gets a lot of hate in, uh, from these scriptures from the world. They pick out these scriptures and they're like, God is so terrible because he commands them to do these things. Um, But I'm going to read from verse two down to verse six. Uh, so he's just finished naming off the seven nations that are mightier. And he goes, And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must uh, devote them to complete destruction. You will make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they should turn away your sons from following me uh, to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you quickly. But the shall, but this, but thus you shall deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their altars, their pillars, and chop down uh, their ashram and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So, um... God has instructed them to, I mean, to kill women, men, children, to destroy this enti- these entire nations. Um, and the reason he's done that, he's commanded them to do this, is because he doesn't want there to be any chance of them corrupting his children. Um, because he's going into their land. Or uh, because they're going into the in, into these lands. Um he doesn't want there to be any chance that his children stray away because of these people. And so God is very protective of us, his children. He doesn't want his anger is towards the world that would bring harm to us and bring harm to the relationship that he has with us. Um, and then it's all his anger is also towards anything that might violate his character yeah which is holy just righteous and so if he if he does discipline us i think it's because we as christians we we have a reputation to uphold Mm -hmm. um he does it in a loving way if he does discipline us uh he wants us to to hold ourselves to a higher standard because we're representing him course as christians um 
And so that's why we have so many guidelines in the New Testament. Um, it's not to control us, but one, he knows that it's going to bring fruit in our lives. And two, it's because we're representing him. We are images of Christ. That's one thing about his character that we can come to know besides just his anger. Um, and something I wanted to add on to what you were saying earlier was that I think the reason that we see God that way sometimes is because the only time we try to connect with God is when we have sinned and we've fallen short. Right. We, you know, we just walk on our own until we sinned. Then once we sinned, we're like, oh, no. God, I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's the only interaction we have with him. Yeah. And I think that that grieves him as well because he wants more than just that. Yeah, we need to involve God in our triumphs just as badly as we should involve him in the forgiveness process of our sin. Yeah. It should yeah. be a first response, not a last resort. Absolutely. Um, and God wants to be – He ha, he's – that's the thing. The world sees this as something that's so controlling and just so, why would you ever want to do that? Uh, where God says to give your entire life over. But as a Christian that's been on the other side of that, that's God saying, give this to me so I can give you so much more. Yeah. To the selfish person. Yeah. It looks like something's being taken away from you. Yeah. But to the selfless person, it looks like so much more is on the other side of, of letting go. Yeah, because God can do so much more with what you have than you can. Yeah, and man, it's not like a bad thing that God wants a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. People turn it into something that it's not. It's so simple. He just wants to love you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to spend time with you. Mm -hmm. He cares about the little things in your day. He's he, not too busy to hear about it. Like He wants he you to come is to him. a father that wants to be in his child's life. Yeah, he is. It's just, and it, it draws, like I said, it just draws so many parallels to the fact that if you only know a parent that is disciplining you and you don't know them as that parent that also attends your graduation, mm -hmm. that also is, you know, there to send you away on your first date and is going to help you with your homework, if you don't notice that stuff and you just notice the anger and the discipline, yeah. you're not going to get the most out of that relationship. Yeah. And you're not going to understand the discipline if you don't know the other parts. If you're not involving God in other parts of your life. Yeah. And that's what I would say to the listeners. Just get the full picture of God. Get the full picture of God. Have a full relationship with Him. Try long to understand Him. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways that we can shoot for a full relationship, for the full picture of God? I think, like you said, I mean, the first way is obviously communication. Mm -hmm. And that's both ways, praying and receiving the word. Yeah. Practicing the presence of God because he is always present. Right. No matter how, how far he feels, he is always present. He is omnipotent, which means he is everywhere mm -hmm. he's in every single one of us mm -hmm. um so i mean it seems like a huge challenge to pray all day um 
it's definitely still hard for me. But the fact is, is you don't have to, you get to. Mm-hmm. If you want to, you can pray to God right now. You can talk to him right now. He's that approachable. You don't have to have some spectacular prayer that sounds like everybody else. You don't have to have a long prayer. You can say everything that you need to say to God in five minutes, but you need an honest prayer, mm-hmm. and your heart needs to be in it. Yeah. He doesn't care about lengthy things or for show. What you do in, in, in the secret place, Yeah. the honesty that you have toward him, that's what he cares about. He doesn't need you to come to him pretending to be something that you're not. He doesn't need you to come to him with the right answer. He mm-hmm. needs you to come to him with a surrendered heart, with an honest heart, being like, God, if all you go in – to your prayer closet with is God I need help that's enough like he hears you start somewhere so many people don't want to get started because their prayers don't sound like somebody else well guess what you're not them yeah woohoo like be you he made you the way you are start somewhere yeah Yeah. and And, uh, I'm adamant about being honest with God about my frustrations toward him Um, I'm like God I don't understand this what's going on like, um, like I'm just, he gave, like, he gave me emotions. I feel those emotions. I'm going to talk to him about those emotions. And he's not surprised by that. Like, a- you're, it's not going to shock him. Oh, you're upset. No. Like, he, he already knows. So why try and hide it from him? Right. Or why try and act like everything's okay? Yeah. Just be genuine. Be, be genuine. genuine with God. Because, like, there are times when I've gone to God in just anger. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I'm just... I go to him and I ask him why, and you know it, that's not a time to you know go through the the joy, uh you know contact the the joy procedure of praying right mm-hmm. Jesus others yourself right yeah it's you just want having a relationship with God means you are genuine <laughs> you yeah. are honest if you were angry you go to him with that if you're upset you go to him with that if you're happy you go to him with that and it's like what Whitney was saying you just you just have to be genuine about it yeah. and honest and that's that's part of receiving the full picture of god is just coming to him as you are yeah also if you're really digging into scripture and at first you feel like maybe a little bit discouraged and you're trying to understand god and you're reading read for comprehension not for coverage a lot of people want to skim through the word and be like you know when your bible in that's awesome that you're putting in the word. It's it's a start, but definitely be a student of the word. Mm-hmm. Like if you had to share that verse with somebody else, could you explain it? Yeah. And and really push yourself to to understand because you can get a new revelation from the same scripture over and over, again. over and over again, depending on what season you're in. That's one thing though is I think is I've had a few friends you know admit to me that they just they have a hard time understanding scripture. Um, and so I think there are many different resources that you can have. The one, the most cheapest for me has been to memorize it, to memorize it, to memorize it, because the more I memorize it, the more it's written on my heart. Um, because I mean, to memorize something for me, I'm reading the same five verses, probably 10, 11 times before it's memorized. By that time, I've thought over every single word, and I'm like, okay, that's right. what it's saying. That's huge. And it's like, this is kind of the same way I would learn, or I would memorize poetry back in English class. Yeah. Right? I would I would 
read the line, I would memorize it, but then I would find a way to apply it to myself. Mm-hmm. I would find an application and think about that application. Um, think about myself, whether it's doing it or acting it out or what it is. Like Just having a picture in my mind of what this scripture means to me. Yeah. And like take basically taking a snapshot of that. And that way, when you see that verse, it has more meaning to you. Mm-hmm. It's not just like words on a page, like yeah. Whitney was saying. Like you're comprehending it because you're you're applying it to your to your own life. Yeah. So, see, I can read, and it depends. Like if I'm really interested in the topic that I'm reading on, I I'll be really into it, and I can read for a while. Um, some of you listeners may be like me, and you can read a paragraph literally ten times, and maybe have absorbed two words. And it's not because you don't want to remember it, but sometimes it's just really easy to space out or, you know, I'm definitely more hands-on application and I'm definitely a listener, um, even though they talk a lot. (laughs) But one resource that I've found to use is the Streetlights. It's on Spotify and it reads the Bible not in a monotone voice that makes me want to die. And it (laughs) it reads it to a beat. So it kind of keeps me like, oh, yeah, that's going to be. And so even some of the verses Dalton shared, I heard it by hitting, you know, shuffle and play on the streetlights on Spotify. Yeah. Great resource. There's also the streetlights app. So you can like use that app as well. Same thing. Um, Reads the Bible to you. I definitely remember conversations that I have more than I remember what I read. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so seeing it in different avenues between reading and hearing, I it helps me remember when it comes up in conversations like this. Yeah. Also, different translations. Now, you need to make sure that it's not too off the mark. You know what I'm saying? But Amplified is great. Um, really like that version. I personally have an ESV, English yeah, Standard I, Version. I love ESV. When I tried to read New King James, I thought I was in Old English Times. And so those of you that can comprehend that, kudos to you, bruh. Because <laughs> your girl ain't there. Um, New King James wasn't as bad. But I do like the New King James. I do like Amplified. Um, I feel like those are pretty accurate. ESV is good. So there's a bunch of different resources. I think it's always good to look at different translations and compare and contrast. Yeah. But, I mean, some translations I will say be careful. Because if you read, like, New King James and you compare it and stuff like that, you'll see that it kind of is, like, a little bit kind of off the mark. But do your research. Use different translations audio bible is amazing Mm -hmm. amazing okay Mm -hmm. and and just find out like what works for you so you're putting in the word because what you put in is what you get out yeah and so there's times like i'm driving and instead of listening to music i'll listen to the streetlights bible app there's times on my lunch break instead of watching netflix like a lot of my coworkers, i will watch a sermon if i'm struggling with something i'll look up somebody that i know teaches the word and i'll look up a sermon on it yeah and another thing is Read your Bible for yourself. Read. I think reading it out loud, too, is really good. Oh, yeah. No, there's power in things that you speak. It says there's power, life, and death in the tongue. When God spoke, he spoke the world into existence. And if mm-hmm. we're made in his image, we speak things, and they come up in our life, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so speaking and declaring the word out loud, it is powerful. Yeah. And it, it definitely is a great way to help you remember as well. Yeah. Um, I would challenge our listeners to to remember one of Paul's epistles um, any, any one of his letters 
they're short enough that you can almost recite the entire letter by memory. Um, I mean, it'll take you a few a few days to memorize it and stuff. But if you just memorize one chapter, you know, every two days, and you're constantly going over it, then one, it's going to be written on your heart. Two, you're going to be more confident in your prayers because you're going to start praying the same things that Paul's been praying over the church. Um, and the Holy Spirit's going to be praying that with you because he prayed it 2,000 years ago. He's praying it now with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely something that I would challenge you to do. Some people do flashcards. Flashcards, Flashcards, yeah. tape them to your mirror. I know some people personally that have literally kept one in their, their purse or their pocketbook, and periodically throughout the day they will pull it out and read the scripture that's on it and pray that. Yeah. And that's how they get started. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I would suggest is if you feel like God is mad at you or if you feel like you're just not growing in your faith, um, then find a community that helps you grow. Um, get plugged in at church. A Bible whether, teaching church. A Bible teaching church. Because there are church. churches that... Yeah, don't go to a, the like the prosperity gospel churches. Um, where I've been to a... I went to a church one time where it was... They probably read one verse. And then the pastor just went on and on about um, how you can live a better life. Um, and it, it wasn't God-centered at all. Uh, so make sure that it, it, it's focused in the scripture. Um, but uh, get plugged in at a church, um, in with a community that helps you grow and doesn't force the Bible on you because, I mean, you shouldn't feel forced anyway. But Whenever you're planted in the place that you're meant to be planted, that you will grow, you will feel drawn there. You won't feel yeah. pushed. Yeah. God's a gentleman, and he, he, he pulls you in. He doesn't push you. You know, like not in a, in a forceful way. Yeah. And so you'll feel drawn to the place by the Holy Spirit led to be there. And you won't know how you found it or maybe even why you're there. But Holy Spirit will lead you where you're supposed to be. But you do have to be obedient and you do have to incline your ear to listen to him. Yeah. So if you're looking for that church, I would recommend researching like online, their page, etc., finding out what they're about. And like we said, make sure they're a Bible teaching Bible standard church. But in order to know if they are, you're going to have to read the word for yourself, too. Yeah. So start somewhere. Have community. Be accountable. Yeah. Grow where you're planted. Well, all right, guys. We uh, we hope that we were able to share some truth into your life and that uh, what we have said is helpful. Um, overall, we don't believe that God is angry with us and that we are falling victim to his anger. No, we believe that he is a father. Um, in every sense of the word and that he is looking out for us as his children Um, so just know that he loves you and that he is working everything out for the good of those who believe in him Uh, guys this is free wine and unleavened bread and we will see you next week